Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, you all know very well that the Lord Jesus came to this earth to redeem us. Various places of Scripture we are told that he took the curse of our sins upon himself. He died in our place. We can refer to a number of the letters in the New Testament Scripture to show it. For example, in the letter to the Galatians, we are told that he was crucified. He took our curse upon himself so that we might be freed from the curse that we deserved. Passages we have read this morning shows a different angle, namely, that the Lord Jesus had come into the world in the context of being a king. When reading this and focusing in a particular way on the words of our text, special attention is given to that fact. And when the Lord Jesus says that his kingdom is not of this world, Initial impression may be given that his kingdom is heaven and therefore has nothing to do with this earth. However, we look a bit more carefully. In our text, when the Lord Jesus was questioned about it a bit further, he insists that it was for this cause that he was born. And it was for this cause that he came into the world. How are we then to understand that the kingdom is not of this world? Well, when we think of how the Lord has been revealed to us, we should keep in mind that the Lord Jesus, right from the day of his birth, was recognized to be the king the king in the line of David. He, as it were, represents how the Lord himself established Abram, Isaac, Jacob, children of Israel, as a kingdom in this world. Is he not a representative? of how the Lord himself had appointed first King Saul, but after his failure, appointed David to become king. And when putting it in this context, do we not also recognize here somewhere that right after the fall into sin, the Lord established enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent? Does it not come to a head over here at the trial of the Lord Jesus? This kingdom that proceeds from heaven because the Lord God took the initiative. The Lord said, appoint David as king. And the Lord Jesus was born in that context. And like he himself said in our text, born for that purpose. And therefore, 
God's word may be proclaimed to you this morning. That the kingdom of this world, and we're speaking about the kingdom of this world, keep in mind, that after the fall into sin, man himself tried to take over the kingship that rightly belongs to God, the mighty king of kings, the Lord God. Now, the kingdom of this world, we notice by our text, is confronted by the kingdom of heaven. We pay attention to how it is evident from this confrontation that the kingdom of heaven has greater majesty, greater power, and greater endurance. First of all, that it has greater majesty, For even our theme might surprise you somewhat. The kingdom of this world is confronted by the kingdom of heaven. Initially, it appears to be the other way around. Or we could perhaps say it this way. It appears that the kingdom of this world confronts the kingdom of heaven. Because Christ Jesus as the representative of the kingdom that flows from heaven in the line of David, is confronted by the kingdom of this world. They arrest him. They put him before the judgment seat. In fact, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of David looks very broken, disrepute. Indeed, the Lord Jesus was born from the line of David. And if you read the Gospels, throughout the Gospels, time and again, you hear about how the Lord Jesus spoke about the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Think of the parables that he speaks. Think of how in the Gospel of Matthew, we are told that John the Baptist had Come, preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And later on, the Lord Jesus also preached in the same way, emphasizing that the kingdom of heaven is here. Kingdom of heaven. Lord Jesus came into Jerusalem very weak on a donkey, not as a soldier. Not as someone that could proudly lift up his head and everyone recognizes this is really something, a king. Instead, we are told, humble, riding on a donkey. It almost seems like kids play. And even more so, after the Lord Jesus is arrested. There was a quick trial in the Sanhedrin. Lord Jesus was accused of making himself like God, and the verdict was that he had to be put to death. At that time, and there's various insinuations made to that among the Jews during this trial before Pontius Pilate, at that time, the Roman government would not let the Jewish 
people execute capital punishment. Even though we do know from elsewhere that the Roman government forbade any capital execution, the Jews didn't take much heed to that law anyways. Think of how later, for example, Stephen was stoned to death. It appears that the Jews at this time, concerning the Lord Jesus, wanted to be sure that it became a real public thing that this man makes himself into a king and is not really a king. And indeed, did the Lord Jesus really exert any kind of pressure to exalt himself as king? If anything, perhaps the Jews had become somewhat scared when there were those putting palm trees on the road, declaring him to be king. The Lord Jesus made no effort to put himself on a throne in Jerusalem. There certainly was no army following him either. In fact, when our text begins by Pilate entering the praetorium, and he sees Jesus there, calls him and asks, Are you the king of the Jews? It appears that he thinks it's a big joke. This man, common man, not even wearing the garments of a soldier, Are you the king of the Jews? Really? Do the Jews have this kind of king? Or Jesus knows who he is. He's a good shepherd who has come. And keep in mind, we had spoken about it earlier, the gospel according to John chapter 10 that he is a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He indeed is a leader among his people. He is the king. Lord Jesus does not deny it, but instead of simply telling Pontius Pilate, yes, I am a king, this is the kind of king that the Jews have, he asks Pontius Pilate, are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? By responding in this way, the Lord Jesus does not let Pilate continue in his mockery. Are you the king of the Jews? But rather he asks Pilate, where do you have this information from? Where do you get this idea about me as a king from? Well, Pilate's answer is a further question. Am I a Jew? I don't belong among you Jewish people. That is his implication. Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? When Pilate responds in this way, the Lord Jesus answers by telling him, that my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate, indeed, may all seem very strange to you, 
But my kingdom does not originate from here. It is not as if somehow I'm established here as a king. And he further responds that if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. Look around you, where are my servants? The earthly servants that you would expect from a king. They are not here at all, are they? And when further, the Lord Jesus adds that he has been delivered by the Jews, but his kingdom is not from here, Pilate responds by insisting, are you a king there? Lord Jesus says, yes, rightly, I am a king. He knows it now. I am a king. But he makes it clear, too, that it is in this context that he's come into the world, that he was born in this context, and adds that he bears witness to the truth. This is the truth. The truth. While Pilate responds by asking, what is the truth? Pilate's response also shows that he does not really know what the truth is. The truth. Who can really fathom it? Who can come to the beginning of what is really true? Pontius Pilate knew very well and becomes clear as the trial continues on that the Jews had arrested the Lord Jesus and brought him and wanted him to be accused in this way out of jealousy. They did not want him to be this king. And that, of course, troubles Pilate even more, that he does not want, that the Jews do not want this kind of king. He recognizes as well that there is this kind of political maneuvering among the Jewish people. Something to which Pilate is certainly not unaware of and to which he is used to himself. Are the kingdoms of the world not founded on that kind of foundation? on the foundation of a brutal power, on the foundation of manipulation, on the foundation of struggling between one another and being able to push someone aside to get your place in the kingdom. Think of how world politics continues, beloved. Does it not continue in that same kind of context Too often, do we not notice it here and there in even the expression of the word politicking? Politicking in the sense of trying to make someone appear bad that I can push him aside and give myself this place. The Jews were worried about the Lord Jesus' 
reputation. They were worried that his reputation undermined their authority and their place among the Jewish people. Pontius Pilate himself was not free from it either. In the context of the Roman kingdom, he too was concerned about his particular place and his task as a Roman was in a particular way to keep things quiet there in this often troublesome part of the world, these Jews. Pilate wanted to do a good job for the Caesar. That context, he wants to take good care and watch out, yes, for the Romans, but also for his own position there among them. By responding the way he does, the Lord Jesus comes to the fore, does he not? As truly being majestic. Majestic in the sense of showing his royal blood, his royal origin, his integrity, his truth. And when he speaks about witnesses, is that not how truth is to be established? And in this context, we noticed in the first place his majesty, his royalty comes out in his humility. In his greater humility, when we notice that really his response shows great integrity and the power of the truth. For Pilate knows very well that the Lord Jesus is not guilty of the allegations made against him. He has not been exerting any kind of physical strength, and there is no threat here to the Roman Empire either. Certainly no immediate threat to the Roman Empire. Pilate, recognizing it, had tried to free him. And when Pilate indicates that he has power to either crucify him or to let him free, the Lord Jesus, verse 11 of chapter 19, emphasizes that you can have no power against me unless it had been given you from above. And he also adds that therefore the one who has delivered me to you has the greater sin. Notice the way that the Lord Jesus speaks there because he focuses on that what is right, just, true, holy, pure. Lord Jesus has spoken about the truth. Problem is, the Pontius Pilate really in the end does not want the truth either. 
He only wants to maintain his political position and therefore along with the Jews who had delivered him over for their own political purposes, also judges according to his political ends. We notice that in the verses of our text, chapter 19, when we are told that Pilate, when he had heard this saying from the Jews, suggesting that whoever lets this man go, whoever makes himself a king, speaks against Caesar. Pilate became worried that they might accuse him, Pilate, of not supporting Caesar by letting this king go. So Pilate Having heard it brings Jesus out. And note by our text, we are told that he sat down in the judgment seat, the place called the pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Attention is given to this because Pilate makes a legal declaration. Even though it is entirely wrong, even though it is an unjust judgment, It is a legal declaration. He asks yet in the hope that they would change their mind. Shall I crucify your king? He has said to them, Behold your king, look at your king, Israel. Israel's king. In fact, that makes it so very terrible sad. Israel, God's own people, his own nation, had joined together in the same method, the same spirit, the same way as the Roman kingdom in condemning Christ Jesus. Behold your king, and all they do is cry out, crucify him, Crucify him. To crucify at that time was to be put to death as a political agitator. It was only in that context that the Romans crucified men. And note how the chief priests, the defenders of the temple, the defenders and the representatives of the Lord God in the context of the coming Christ, The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them. Pilate delivered the Lord Jesus to the Jews. But he had made the proclamation. So we confess in the Apostles and Nicene Creed, he suffered under Pontius Pilate condemned under Pontius Pilate. Through this, the Lord God himself, as a king of kings, let the kingdom of the world condemn his own well-beloved son. He let him bear the consequence 
of this kind of injustice, this kind of political manipulation. And initially it looks like that the kingdom of this world has indeed overpowered and struck down the kingdom of heaven. However, even though not directly revealed in our text, but foreshadowed in various ways. For the Lord Jesus, as a good shepherd, had said that he is able to lay down his life and take it up again. He would not remain in the grave. Later on, on Pentecost Day, point of it is made through the Apostle Peter when he explained to the multitude that the Lord Jesus could not remain in the grave because God himself will not leave his Holy One to see corruption. God, the King of kings, the creator of all things, holds on to that what is true and right. And therefore, in the end, becomes evident that justice, truth, rather than political manipulation, has the greatest power. And the third place we notice, exactly because the Lord Jesus remained true to the truth, upheld justice, and insisted on the testimony that he could not remain in the grave. Yes, the kingdom of the world could bring him to death. But there is a king above all. The Lord Jesus had already said it. My kingdom does not originate from this world does not originate from there. God himself had appointed David. God himself had sent him as the son of David. He is here from out of that kingdom. And that kingdom will stand firm and strong. And exactly because justice and truth does stand, that kingdom endures forevermore. We may speak in this way and already in this context because in many and various ways we think of the Psalms where the Lord had taught his people to thank and praise him for his eternal kingdom. Your kingdom will stand forever. And time and again it is recognized to be the kingdom that the Lord had established, the context of anointing David, Solomon, and sending Christ as the heir of that throne. Beloved, we continue to live in a time and age where political manipulation causes much pain and grief, and injustices are done. Too often, we too, as churches, 
and as children of the Lord are affected by it. And how often in our own way and in our own circles does that kind of manipulation continue? Understand and know well, it was in this context that Christ Jesus was judged and condemned by letting this happen to him in this way. And not at that moment of his trial, calling to his father for justice, he bore the consequence, the full consequence and burden of every injustice that is done here on this earth. The full consequences of it. That kind of manipulation, death, punishment, hell. But he could not stay there because his father would not let his Holy One see corruption. Lord Jesus, such a remarkable way, showed great power holding on to justice and truth And therefore, even though he died, it will endure forever. His glorious kingdom. Indeed, when he came into the world, through John the Baptist it was proclaimed already, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He proclaimed it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. How much more can it be proclaimed today? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes, let the rulers of the world hear it. And let you, the sheep of his flock, sound it forth by the way in which you uphold and maintain justice and truth among yourself and in every way. Let it be known that you know that power And that endurance, endurance, think of the Lord Jesus, how he endured it all for you, for the kingdom, for the honor of his Father, for the praise of his glorious name, so that we who have rebelled in the beginning, wanted to take the dominion for ourselves from trying to put God aside. Christ Jesus, as our Redeemer, has put him back into focus. Our Father, our King, our Lord and Master, Christ Jesus, his Son, our Redeemer and Savior. Amen.